Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Context of white supremacy. Justice Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully, to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Uh, Today's date, Sunday, February 10th, 2013. So I have been told, uh, for anyone, if you listen to the cows and you think the program is constructive, you think that maybe some of the time Gus T. Renegade actually has some sense, um, might have a reasonable understanding of how racism works to some degree, I would encourage you to check out the most recent episode of uh, Bill Maher. Uh, His show comes on Friday evening. Um, I watch and listen to focus on a lot more news since uh, just over the last year and just since I've been becoming less confused about racism, uh, I would encourage victims to watch that program and watch it thinking this is like comedic Tim Wise. Refined racism par excellence. I would encourage folks to check it out. In particular, check out the most recent episode. They start off the program joking about Christopher Dorner show off the bat making jokes about that and then just everything every aspect of the program the guests that they have on every aspect of the program reveals so much about the system of racism white supremacy if you understand what you're looking at but the segment that you just heard that was from friday's program i think dr welsing will probably touch on that particular aspect of the super bowl today But I would definitely encourage checking that program out. Beginning to end, it is, man, (laughs) one big display of racism. Uh, Before we get to uh, the broadcast, uh, request, (laughs) then uh, just doing it up with books. Uh, And I have got, I think I got uh, 12 Years a Slave. I actually had two folks who stepped up to get the audio book, so we will definitely be doing that down the road. (laughs) The small, the black female actress who got nominated for her role in Beasts of the Southern Wild. I think she's like six. And uh, she got nominated for an Oscar. She is going to be in the theatrical release of 12 Years a Slave. Really looking forward to this. I think one of the listeners mentioned the film Shame. Cowbell would be ringing. The black male who directed Shame, uh, his name is Steve McQueen. He is scheduled to direct uh, the 12 Years a Slave. Uh, and Brad Pitt is supposed to be in this as well. So definitely stay tuned. We've been doing the book club uh, here at the Cows. If people, new listeners, maybe every Friday evening, 8 p.m., we've been doing a book club. We have done uh, President Obama's Dreams from My Father. Uh, we did Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Right now we're doing Melba Patillo Beals, Warriors Don't Cry. Uh, we've only done three episodes. We're not too far along in the book. Uh, but doing book clubs 
from a counter-racist perspective. So analyzing, thinking about the book and what messages are being conveyed within the context of white supremacy, we will be doing 12 Years a Slave at some point. But one other book that I need uh, rather quickly, uh, Heather Williams, I think someone requested uh, her to be on the program. Dr. Kanban did as well. She wrote a phenomenal book. It's titled Self-Taught, African-American Education in Slavery and Freedom. Uh, she's at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Uh, she'll be visiting with us on the 19th, a little more than a week and a half away. That book is on my wish list. Cheapest copy possible. I'm uh, not snobbish about books used as fine, uh, but I would like that pronto so we can get prepped for that program. Uh, Dr. Cambon was very impressed uh, with her scholarship, what she had to say. He thought she would make a great guest. I've actually been trying for about a year to get her on the program. So uh, if anyone would like to invest in the cows, that right there. Heather Williams' book, Self-Taught, is on my wish list at Amazon.com. Gusty Renegade. Should be very easy to find. I would appreciate it. Uh, invest if you think the program is constructive and if you need any more information on Christopher Dorner, certainly there are lots, should be an abundance of material online. Uh, but you can get my view on these events, uh, my blog. I have a brand new post on Mr. Dorner uh, and I have a YouTube video by the same title, Christopher Dorner, Counter Racism Code. Uh, you can check that out. I think has some uh, some solid information. Also at the at the uh, bottom of the blog post, it has the audio uh, Mr. Fuller, his 15 minutes of kind of breaking down uh, his perspective on all of this. And I think he would just sum it up nicely by saying, if you don't understand the system of white supremacy, what it is, how it works, everything else that you do understand will only confuse you. That would be true in this case and any other events related to under the system of white supremacy. We'll go ahead and get our guest for today's broadcast. You will hear the phone ringing. Pardon. <laughs> Context of white supremacy. Okay. Dr. Weldon, can you hear me? Okay. Outstanding. Um, our guest for today's program, uh, she is a third-generation physician, a general and child psychiatrist, author of the ISIS Papers, The Keys to the Colors. Uh, she has been a guest on the program repeatedly, uh, tons of folks all over the world. Uh, always look forward to hearing you on the program and getting your views uh, on racism, white supremacy, and hopefully picking up some ideas that they can apply to their own uh, existence and solve problems, uh, keep from being confused, and just get a better understanding of racism, white supremacy. Joining us live this evening, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Uh, how are you doing, Dr. Welsing? I'm fine, thank you. Glad to be with you. Pleasure is ours. Um, are you? Is the snowstorm on the east? Is that impacting D.C. or are you all okay weather-wise? Uh, knock on wood. Washington D.C. has been spared. We haven't even had a snowflake. <laughs> wow! Wow! So we've had sunshine and weather we can't complain about. Right on. We don't even have sunshine here, but right on. I'm glad to hear it. Um, 
Okay. That has been, I guess, big story number two uh, over the last week, the big storm and how cold it's been on the East Coast. Uh, I think easily the number one news item uh, in this area of the world over the past five to seven days uh, has been black male victim of racism and murder suspect Christopher Dorner uh, down in Southern California. Uh, it seems that this became big news on Wednesday. Uh, we talked about this yesterday, and it seems like uh, most people hadn't didn't hear about this case until Wednesday, Thursday, when it started being front page uh, media item. Uh, we've been talking a lot about this case. Racism is is all over the case where this black male is, is making allegations that he experienced a lot of racism uh, within the Los Angeles Police Department. Uh, so much has been said. Uh, I'm sure you've, we've talked about the case. Can you kind of start listeners off just giving them uh, what your initial thoughts are uh, on what's been reported so far? Well, let me first ask you, uh, what's the latest that you have heard on the West Coast? Uh, I was checking out uh, different reports today. I think the biggest new item that they have added, uh, they have a $1 million reward uh, for information related to his capture. Um, they said that this is like the biggest reward that they've had. Um, the mayor of L.A. came out and made the statement today. Uh, they said that they got contributors from the private sector, the public sector, but uh, they're taking this very seriously. They labeled him, uh, they, labeled, they labeled this terrorism and uh, said it would not be tolerated. Um, they also have released the name of the police officer that died. Uh, originally, they just said that it was the two non-white victims uh, who were killed last Sunday, black male uh, and a so-called Asian female, non-white female. That was last Sunday, week from today. And then on Wednesday, they had this shootout where one officer was killed. Another officer was shot and wounded, but they think he's going to survive. They didn't release the names of those two officers. These were uh, Riverside uh, police officers. They didn't release their identities uh, until today. Uh, today, they released the identity of the officer that died. This is a white male. Uh, so they confirmed that um, they have expanded the search. Uh, I think they included Mexico and several other states that are on alert where they're continuing the, the hunt. Uh, let's see, they've had... I think those are the main... This, it's been a lot of other little auxiliary things in between, but I think those are the main two things. The $1 million reward, and they've released the identity of the third victim that died. Well, I, you know, I would like to begin with stating my definition since the term racism is being used over and over in this case, I would like to start out with my definition of racism. You're familiar with it, but uh, for the record, uh, racism, white supremacy, and those uh, three words are linked. Racism is white supremacy, and white supremacy is racism, is the local and global power system and dynamic structured and maintained by persons who classify themselves as white, whether consciously or subconsciously determined, which consists of patterns of perception, logic, symbol formation, thought, speech, action, and emotional response. 
as conducted simultaneously in all areas of people activity, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war, for the ultimate purpose of white genetic survival and to prevent white genetic annihilation on planet Earth, a planet upon which the vast and overwhelming majority of people are classified as non-white, black, brown, red, and yellow by white-skinned people, and all of the non-white people are genetically dominant in terms of skin coloration compared to the genetic recessive white-skinned people. So with that definition, uh, this case involves a black gentleman, uh, I say gentleman for, you know, uh, just purposes of discussion, a black gentleman who labeled himself as a victim of racism, white supremacy, and he goes on, um, shall we say, a rampage, supposedly, and he kills two non-white people, and he kills a person classified as white. So I would not um, classify that as racism, he's a victim of racism. Uh, racism, according to what are his statements, has caused his behavior. He takes it out on two other non-white people and also a white male police officer. So again, that, uh, in my view, would fall in the category of people who are victims of racism and black people have been victims of racism, white supremacy for the past 500 years. And who knows if this person, this black male, had not been subjected to racism, uh, maybe he would not have gone on this rampage, but we have other victims, other male victims of racism who are taking their stress and their frustration out on other people like themselves so that the majority of people that the victims of racism end up harming are other people like themselves. And uh, it's interesting if this act is called terrorism, but the activity on the part of people who classify themselves as white when they are killing non-white people, somehow that's not called terrorism. And I would say that the solution, a major part of the solution to the, this kind of problem, whether we're talking about black-on-black um, -black activity, uh, if we really begin as a society to deal with what the Attorney General said, are we a nation of cowards being unable to talk about racism? Now, when a black person uh, says or harms a white person, then somehow people are willing to talk about racism. But the racism that goes on 24-7 times 365 times 500 years, nobody wants to talk about that. And that is the heart of the problem. Before uh, 
before we get deeper and in, in looking at some of the different aspects of the case, I wanted to get your view, uh, given that we are in a system of white supremacy, uh, Mr. Fuller asserts that the primary tactic used to maintain that system is deception. I think we have a lot of cliches, uh, speak with forked tongue and that sort of thing. Do you think it would be logical for black people to be skeptical and to really have their brain computers operating you know, at maximum ability when they're processing the information, when they're reading reports about this incident, and to read with some, some degree of skeptic, skepticism uh, with regards to maybe we are not being told the truth, maybe we're not being given all the accurate details. Do you think that would be reasonable? Well, I, I think that we, you know, one has to wait until all the information is in. And clearly uh, we're at the beginning or at the middle, but we certainly are not at the end of the events uh, which are involved in uh, this total situation. And so we do have to wait and see. So we're, according to the news information that we have, we seem to be at the beginning, but as I said, we have one black male person who injured or killed two other non-white people. And tragically, that's almost standard operating procedure in the system of racism where the victims of racism, white supremacy, are injuring themselves and one another. Hello? Sorry about it. Hit my mute button. I said it initially uh, when we were speaking about this, you said that one of the, the standard response for victims of racism is to take it out on another victim uh, to, you know, hit them. We're all crammed together on the slave ship. So we just hit the person that's that's closest to us. Many of the people that I've heard talk about this, they think that this is this is constructive activity. This is a, a black male. He's standing up. Uh, he's not being afraid. He's willing to engage in warfare uh, against a system of racism that he's identified. Um, what would your response be to people who say, hey, I don't I think this is constructive. I don't th I don't see anything incorrect about these acts. Well, I would propose, I think that. Uh Shall I say, well, I think a, a better answer at this point in time might be, uh, let's open a discussion about what racism, white supremacy is. Uh, you know, that's sort of like in war diplomacy versus shooting and killing each other. If things can be worked out by people talking together, and beginning to have some understanding. For example, I think that the vast majority of people who classify themselves as white, first of all, they're not talking about racism, white supremacy, and they certainly are not talking about my definition. And I maintain I'm the only American psychiatrist who for the past 40 years has been focusing on this dynamic of racism, white supremacy, and talking about it. Beyond that, I'm the only psychiatrist in the world 
who has for the last 40 years been focusing on racism and white supremacy. Now, to me, this is a tragedy. It's a tragedy uh, for people in the field of mental health not being able or refusing to talk about the most important power dynamic influencing the behavior of the majority of the people on the planet. And certainly if we just restrict ourselves to this area of the world. So this failure, as the Attorney General said, are we a nation of cowards being unable to talk about racism? And I certainly understand, if you take my definition, that racism is a power structure for a very specific purpose. And that specific purpose, consciously and or subconsciously determined, is for white genetic survival and to prevent white genetic annihilation on planet Earth. Because most people who classify themselves as white think of themselves as the majority people on the planet. Certainly if you turn on television in this area of the world, you see white, 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 white white, 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 so a person looking at the television or looking at movies would think that people who classify themselves as white are a majority. In reality, there are fewer than one-tenth of the people on this planet. Uh, I even had a number of psychiatrists, this is a number of years ago, at a conference, a uh, professional conference, and there was a panel on racism, and I raised the question, is racism, this goes back to the late 1960s, is racism not related to the fact that whites are a minority? And the whole conference fell silent. There were about 3,000 people present and about 25 black people. And the conference was over when I raised that question. Now, white people would come to me one at a time if I was in the elevator and say, do you think, now these are psychiatrists, do you think white people know that they're a minority? Now, this is outrageous. In other words, how can you function effectively on a planet? Intelligent, educated people, now these are physicians who have gone beyond four years in medical school, one year internship to several years in specialty training in psychiatry. And they're whispering, do you think that most white people know that they're a minority on the planet? Or a minority, and certainly they're getting ready to be a minority in this area of the world. And most people who classify themselves as white in this part of the world still function with the belief that white people are genetically superior uh, to black people, certainly, but other people of color. In reality, white is a genetic recessive trait. It's a mutation from black, and black is a genetically dominant trait. That's why President Obama looks like he looks. His mother was white. His father was black, because white is a genetic recessive trait, white can be genetically annihilated. Now, this is fundamental to the reality of people who classify themselves as white. But they are not consciously 
focusing on it, like I say, that the denial of this reality, the denial of racism is essential to its maintenance. So everybody needs to get on board beginning to talk about the reality. A psychiatry, uh, years ago when I was trained in psychiatry, uh, we were instructed the role of the psychiatrist is to help people face reality even when they are afraid to do so. Facing reality. So everything that is troubling to people who classify themselves as white as well as people who are classified as non-white, the black, brown, red, and yellow people, all of the problems that are surfacing that we look at on the media or look at, read about in the paper every day is related to this profound and powerful dynamic that no one is talking about. And uh, for the most part, the victims of racism, black, brown, red, and yellow people, they are fearful of talking about racism because they're fearful of making white people uncomfortable because they are dependent upon white people for jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so this reality, people want to know about gun control and why there cannot be gun control. This is tied directly to an in-depth understanding of racism, white supremacy. And this is why we had what is called the Obama effect. President Obama, a black man, the first black man elected to be president of the United States of America, when he was elected, people went out and bought guns. And the, the uptick in gun purchasing was, in fact, labeled the Obama effect. These are white people who classify themselves as white buying weapons. And people ought to be saying, well, what exactly is the Obama effect? And what is causing the Obama effect? If they would study my definition of racism, white supremacy, because people who classify themselves as white, and I will say most specifically white males, because they have a recessive genetic package and they are able to be genetically annihilated by the black male's genetic package and ability to produce skin coloration, which is a genetically dominant trait, I maintain that subconsciously the white brain computer says must create weapon can do same thing must create weapon that can annihilate most fundamentally people of color. And this is the symbolic, perhaps subconscious in many cases, but conscious in other cases. This is the importance of the gun. And so the last thing in the world, if people are fearful of being genetically annihilated, by the genetic power of the black male person. And then you have a black male person in the White House, supposedly the ultimate seat of power on the planet today. Then, of course, there cannot be gun control. 
And if people would just take time and make a little sketch on their writing pad and make a schematic drawing of male genitalia. So you have testicle, phallus, testicle. And then you do a lateral view, so then you have testicle, phallus. And you turn that around 90 degrees, you have a gun. And this is why the expression, you don't, <laughs> this is uh, why you have the expression, son of a gun, and why the gun is called the great equalizer. Now, this is what we should be looking at uh, in relationship to this particular case, because the majority of you know, there's been a recent poll indicating that the majority of white people in this area of the world are prejudiced against black people. Well, that prejudice against black people, and I dare say it's closer to 95, 99%. Now, there are many people who classify themselves as white who say they have white friends. I mean, they have black friends. But they're not dealing with the fundamental issue of white genetic annihilation. So if you did a survey and you asked people who classify themselves as white, do you want your children to be colored? Do you want your grandchildren to be colored? Do you want your great-grandchildren? Do you want your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren to be colored? And you're polite in asking them, and they're polite in answering, and they will say no. Now that means on this particular planet, third planet from the sun called Earth, where fewer than one-tenth of the people are white, nine-tenths of the people are non-white. It means that the one-tenth has to do, engage in behavior in economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. Engage in behavior to prevent white genetic annihilation, because white is a tiny, tiny minority of the people on the planet. And some of that behavior, in other words, the non-white people have to be controlled by the people who classify themselves as white. And so the power equation for the system of racism, white supremacy, the local, national, global system, is white power over a relative non-white powerlessness and the use of the gun to ensure that power equation. Now, this is what we need to be talking about on this planet, ideally. You see, so we indeed don't have to be looked upon as a nation of cowards. We need to, this is 21st century, and we need to be talking about serious things instead of turning on the television and you see a lot of silly females chattering. That's supposed to be the news. And people throwing cute statements back and forth, talking about a lot of nonsense instead of talking about fundamentals so that the fundamental problems can be solved in a system of racism, you have to have non-white people, black people in particular, looking poor and impoverished and ignorant so that people who classify themselves as white 
instead of facing the reality of their genetic recessive mutation that has produced white skin, instead of looking at themselves, they have to be able to see, no, I'm genetically superior. Now, you can structure what I call inferiorization. All you have to do is deprive people of jobs, deprive them of adequate education, and deprive them of opportunity. And so then you can look at them, and they look like they're dysfunctional. But they're dysfunctional because the total system structure for white genetic survival is making them appear to be inferior. And so you just do that through inferior schools, inferior education process, non-promotion on jobs, non-employment, all of that, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is what we need to be looking at. And if the person in this most recent event, uh, from what I understand in his manifesto, I'm sorry I haven't had an opportunity to read that, but he is supposed to have said he was called or a black person in his presence was referred to as a nigger and a white person said they were going to use the term nigger as often as they wanted to just like people just got through looking at the Durango movie and the word nigger was supposed to be used 150 times. And I say that just was an exercise and the same thing, the response that uh, uh, this person got uh, when he said don't use that term and so the white response was I'll use it whenever I get ready to use it or something to that effect. Uh, and so I say that that movie, under in the guise of entertainment, in the guise of this is what was said long ago, was an opportunity for people who classify themselves as white to sit and be entertained in hearing black people referred to as nigger. Now the black people, not in the audience, not on, and the actors not understanding the system of racism, they would come out of the theater saying, oh, the use of that term doesn't mean anything. It's a movie, and it was speaking to a certain period in time. No, that was speaking to the absolute present time. But again, the vast majority of people who are black, the black, brown, red, and yellow people, the shades of black, they do not understand racism and white supremacy, and people who classify themselves as white do not talk about it. I had an opportunity some years ago to be on uh, President Ronald Reagan's son's television program out in California, and he had a panel of people talking about race, racism. And I happened to be sitting next to Tom Metzger, who's one of the white supremacists or Aryan nations, one of the outspoken white supremacists, white separatists. And I just spoke to him politely and asked him, Mr. Metzger, what percentage of people who classify themselves as white are fearful of white genetic annihilation? And he was very polite. We were sitting next to each other on the panel. And he said, Dr. Wilson, nearly all of them but they're either afraid or ashamed to admit it. 
So this is fundamental. And if we can talk about it, we can get an answer to a number of the things that presumably people are troubled by. And somebody might say, well, you know, the latest mass killing of white people uh, was at, uh, was it Sandy Hook, Connecticut? Yes, ma'am. And so somebody might say, well, that was a white young person who was killing other white people. Well, the context was, if I'm not mistaken, his mother owned guns. And so he simply used the lessons that his mother had given him and took the guns that were in the house and went out and killed some children. Now that, of course, is tragic. But had there not been guns in the house, had there not been the mindset, you see, the same mindset that causes all other white people to stockpile guns in their homes. So there are 300 million guns, supposedly, in the hands of people. And I dare say mostly people who classify themselves as white. Of course, you'll have some black people say, yes, they have a weapon. But I don't have any friends that have any guns. I'm 77, will in March be 78 years old. I don't have any friends who have guns. Nobody in my immediate family, they don't have guns. And they're not talking about getting guns. But people who classify themselves as white feel vulnerable apparently if they don't have their personal stockpile of guns. And so then, you know, you have uh, troubling dynamics within white families. And so those young people, one or another thing is troubling them, feeling inadequate. And so they get upset about something and decide, based on the communications within the culture itself, the entire culture is centered around, if you have a problem, get a gun. Go and kill people in Afghanistan. Go and kill people in Iraq. Go and kill people potentially in Pakistan or Iran. Have drones fly over and kill people in Africa. Kill, 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 kill. And when you have a minority population that is genetic recessive and they are perturbed and fearful about their genetic survival, then they have to consciously, subconsciously kill, 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 kill. And so that's the, that's the dominant theme. The dominant theme in the culture is killing. The subdominant theme is degrading sex. And sex is demeaned and degraded because if people don't like their appearance, I just cut out two pictures today uh, from a magazine 
And the people, two white people, a white male and a white female in white swimming attire, and they were as dark as a black person, having put on some kind of tanning lotion. And so there is the desire, just like you have all the white women who are adopting black babies. They want to believe that they can produce color, or they want to believe that they somehow can have color. But at the same time, talking to people who genetically have color and telling them they are supposed to be ugly compared to white. So you have the overwhelming majority of non-white people on the planet spending billions of dollars to bleach their skin. While people who classify themselves as white, who control the media and control thinking, they're trying to get color. So we have a world with some very serious problems serious mental health problems, problems about being a minority, problems about color, and, and greed. I mean, even the destruction of the planet. If, if you, your mindset is, I feel inadequate. I don't have color. Everybody else has color. So I have to have everything, all the oil, all the gold, all the resources. And so I have to tear up the planet as well as impoverished people, to satisfy my sense of inadequacy. These are things that, you know, that we need to, I maintain, be able to look at and talk about so that these problems can be solved. I talk about racism, white supremacy, not for the purpose of anybody hating white people, White people are the genetic mutations from black people. Black people are the first people on the planet. The black people are the only people who can produce all of the colors. We can produce crystal black, that's the highest level black, and we can produce mutations to albinism, which is what white skin is. And then if you mix the two together, then you get all the colors that are in the middle. And so white people actually are the children of black people. So the purpose in talking about racism is for uh, replacing this system of injustice with a system of justice so there can be peace on the planet. And justice, certainly according to Neely Fuller, and I certainly concur, is a justice means nobody is mistreated. Nobody is allowed to be mistreated, and those who need the most help get the most help. See, hate is a, a waste of mind time, a waste of energy. The energy could be used for a creative purpose in structuring a planet where all of the human beings are comfortable and highly developed. I don't mind seeing white children develop to the highest level of their genetic and constitutional potential. But simultaneously, all of the black, brown, red, and yellow children on the planet also being developed to the highest level 
of their genetic and constitutional potential with no barriers whatsoever to their maximal development. So that means everybody has to have adequate food, clothing, and shelter and opportunity for the expression of themselves as human beings. Because we can manufacture criminals. We can, ma we can have a, a culture. If people are feeling deprived, and so therefore they have to be greedy, or if they have been denied opportunities. Context of white supremacy. Again, our guest, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, uh, you touched on uh, television, entertainment, how that can be used uh, to further the system of racism, white supremacy, uh, giving messages to white people about how they should view non-white people uh, simultaneously, uh, victimizing, brain trashing dark people, uh, melanated people on the planet to make us not have self-respect and to, to have us not like our features, not like our hair. Uh, the film Django Unchained uh, that was released on December 25th, 2012, Christmas Day, uh, that film, uh, there has been a lot of talk about that film because it's got a black male killing white people. I have seen several reports where the suspect, Mr. Dorner, he has been nicknamed uh, Christopher Django Dorner. Uh, how do you think this film might be influencing or related to the events surrounding Mr. Dorner? Well, uh, how should I say this? Um, was my last discussion, was that picked up? You, uh, the response that you just gave? Yes, ma'am, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Uh, I would say that there are some elements within the system of racism, white supremacy, that would, you know, like to see black people go on some kind of rampage attacking people who are classified, who classify themselves as white. I don't recommend that because then that just becomes the opportunity for black people to be rounded up and to put be put in some kind of concentration camp. That would uh, solve the fear of white genetic annihilation for some people. So I recommend that uh, the most important thing that black people can do are reflecting their respect for themselves is to understand this historic 500-year-old dynamic of racism, white supremacy that we have been dealing with, that we have not been taught. We've been miseducated, being told we're in a democracy when we in reality in a system of racism, white supremacy. And one black president doesn't solve the problem that we are in a system of racism, white supremacy. Because simultaneously, you have a black man in the White House and 500 black people being killed in Chicago and nearly a million black men incarcerated. And then tens of thousands of others unemployed. 
So we are not post-racial. We are in the middle of a system of racism, white supremacy, and black people going on some kind of rampage shooting white people is not the answer to the system of racism, white supremacy. Black people will achieve more if they begin to sit down calmly and understand what racism, white supremacy is, and be able to reflect that understanding, not in name-calling people who classify themselves as white, not being discourteous, not being disrespectful, being disrespectful, but indicating that they finally begin to understand what racism, white supremacy is really all about, which is like sitting at a chessboard and for 500 years, your position on the black side of the board is you're being checkmated. But finally, you understand the game, and so you can play with skill the game of chess. You understand what the dynamic, the power dynamic on the planet is really all about. And significantly, what people of color don't realize, and, you know, I would dare say 99% of the people, non-white people on the planet, all of whom have been exposed to racism, white supremacy. So 99% of those people of color hate themselves as colored people and want to be white because they have been conditioned in a system of white supremacy. So when somebody says, how can one-tenth of the people on the planet control the nine-tenths? Well, if the one-tenth has been successful in programming the minds of the nine-tenths, that if you're black, get back, brown, stick around, yellow, mellow, white is right. So everybody is aspiring to be white, then a significant percentage or you might even say 99% of the people of color on the planet, because they want to be white, they are really the force that is holding white supremacy up. But it is a force of disrespect of self as people of color. So if that, 90, if that 99% of the people who are black, brown, red, and yellow started respecting themselves, looking in the mirror and deciding they like what they see. The system of racism, white supremacy, would collapse. If the non-white people decided that they were going to start respecting themselves, many of whom have been conditioned to believe that God is white, that God looks like the average white man, and so they actually are worshiping white supremacy. Were they to look in the mirror and decide that they look like God, especially since the people who classify themselves as white, the scientists are telling us the most powerful thing in the universe is a black hole, and dark matter is holding everything up. And so the thing that everybody ought to have in their mind is, well, God must be black. The God force must be black. But that's not the conditioning over the last 500 years. But people can break conditioning. So, no, the answer is not. Smart, intelligent black people will not be running on a rampage 
shooting white people so that they can be locked up in a concentration camp under the Patriot Act or some other bill. Smart black people will begin to calmly think deeply about understanding this problem that has confronted us and all of our ancestors for the last 500 years, that we are going to focus on it in an intelligent manner, understand it so that we can end up behaving appropriately in relationship to this force. I was at a meeting in Washington, D.C. yesterday. People were talking about gentrification. And there was a panel of black people, younger black people than myself. And so one black person who's in their late 30s said, uh, racism is, doesn't, you know, the problems that black people are facing with gentrification doesn't have anything to do with race. Well, that was a tragic statement on the part of the person. When you have black people being massively moved out of urban centers, and for some black person to come along and say race doesn't have anything to do with it, that would be like when in Nazi Germany when the Jewish people were being moved out, taken out of their apartments and moved out of the city and put on trucks and trains and carted someplace else. And for them to say, you know, being a Semite of the Jewish religion doesn't have anything to do with what was happening. And we have, I mean, tragically, even Sigmund Freud wasn't focusing on the repression of Semites because Adolf Hitler said, that the Jews were not white, and therefore he was going to kill them. This is not Francis Wilson. Read Adolf Hitler's work, Mein Kampf. He said, I don't care about their religion. I'm killing them and removing them because they are not white. Now, in this area of the world, in the state of Israel, the Jewish people refer to themselves as white, but not so. That wasn't the case when... Hitler was in power in the white supremacy state of Nazi Germany, and they were not classified as white, and Hitler said that was why they were going to be killed. And they were saying, we're German, we have participated in the culture, and why would anybody do that? It's the same thing as black people here in this part of the world saying, we're Americans, and such and such wouldn't happen to us, and it's conspiracy thinking to think otherwise, uh, again, it means that uh, people are not reading. I tell people it's more important to read than to watch TV. It's more important to be surrounded by books that you read about what goes on in the world than looking at television. Television may have some important things on it, but it's few and far between on the regular stations. Well, I hope I <laughs> have I addressed your last question. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, just with I know uh, you were saying like with a lot of a lot of black people, uh, if you don't understand racism, everything else confuses you. And going to see a film like 
Django Unchained for a lot of black people. And as you were saying, like us getting emotional and, and caught up in something that we really don't understand and thinking that this is this is a great strike against racism, white supremacy. Uh, you just you stressed and I was hoping you could convey this to our listeners. You stressed the importance of black people remaining calm and not letting their emotions get the best of them, just staying calm and just using their brain computer and processing all that. And I was just, I wanted you to emphasize that again for our listeners. Well, uh, how can I say it? It's like, you know, just running out and being emotional and killing people. Uh, that is, that's not the answer before you try to understand what is really going on. And black people need to do a lot of focusing because we have been so damaged and brainwashed. See, black people are the people that are most heavily attacked by racism and white supremacy because as black people we have the greatest genetic potential to cause white genetic annihilation, which is why black people learn before they learn how to read. If you're black, get black, brown, stick around, yellow, mellow, white, right. That's the color code for white genetic survival. The heaviest attack on the people who have the greatest genetic potential to cause white genetic annihilation. It's like Senator Harry Reid slipped up and said what he was thinking, that if President Obama had been darker, he wouldn't have been president. See, the more color you have, the more, the greater the fear that people who classify themselves as white because it's the greater the genetic potential to cause white genetic annihilation. So we have had a thunderous attack on us as black people for the past 500 years coming up to the present where black people have been psychologically programmed through psychological warfare and entertainment to call themselves niggers and bitches and hoes and gangsters and thugs and dogs. Now, any people who in their minds are thinking that it's okay to be called a nigger it's okay to be called a bitch. It's okay to be called a hoe. It's okay to be called a gangster. And okay to be called a thug. They have been critically damaged psychologically and will not end up doing constructive things for themselves and people who look like themselves. But if you can program people do you see, all you have to do in a system of racism and white supremacy is give a whole lot of money to inter so-called entertainers and tell them to use this kind of despicable language. It's the same thing as, you know, say, feed uh, cyanide to your population in small doses because it will be easy for people with those thoughts, consciously, subconsciously, in their brain computers, to go out and cause damage to one another. Whether they're shooting or killing each other, they will behave destructively towards one another. They will name-call one another. They will squabble with one another. They will curse one another. 
They will be discourteous and disrespectful to one another. They will steal from one another, rob one another, fight one another, and kill one another. And this is what we see happening in our population. You know, there are people who, of course, you say, oh, that person would never pick up a gun and hurt anybody, but they don't have a problem being discourteous or disrespectful to another black person. So these are behaviors that the system of racism, white supremacy, has conditioned in black people. Now, by black people becoming aware of what racism, white supremacy is, not spending any energy hating white people, just understanding how this particular chess game is played. And so then black people will spend their energy, first of all, first and foremost, you can't play a game if you don't understand what it is. You can't go on a football course, a uh, football field with a tennis racket. You can't go on a basketball court with a football. You can't play tennis with a football. You have to understand the game that is on the table. So have the you know respect of self to understand. If you don't understand, to work hard to try to understand what is happening, which because black people raise the question, what's happening? A million times a day. Hey, what's happening? What's going on? Now, we are raising that question. We think it's just a greeting. It's because we have been lied to about what the actual dynamic on this planet is in relationship to ourselves. We have been told it's a democracy, although imperfect. No, it is a perfect local, national, global system of racism, white supremacy, a system for white genetic survival and preventing white genetic annihilation on planet Earth. And it has certain specific behaviors that black people need to be taught so they will be destructive towards themselves and one another so that the system, white genetic survival, can exist. And so we have to, without spending one org of energy hating white people, but understanding what the game on the table is all about. And then begin by practicing those behaviors that Neely Fuller in his book has talked about. And I, we need to repeat in every conversation, this is something that black people could do, in every conversation, when they pick up a telephone, they're talking to another black person and they say, hi, how are you? Remember, if you do not understand white supremacy racism, what it is and exactly how it works, everything else that you understand will only confuse you. If black people would just start greeting each other like that and then they can go on with their conversation. And so it's like we don't have any trouble teaching each other the latest damn step. Well, we need to, you know, figure out, well, with the same ease, how can we help all black people begin to understand racism, white supremacy, which is the point number one in self-respect. Understand what's happening to you. Understand what happened to your parents. Understand what happened to your great-grandparents. 
understand what will happen to your children and your children's children if you do not bring to a screeching halt this local, national, global system of racism, white supremacy. So I've said the top ten things that Mr. Neely Fuller has prescribed, and he is the genius of the 21st century, bar none, because he is the person who first said that racism, white supremacy, is a total system structure. That was genius. That was far more important than what Einstein said, E equals MC squared. Because Neely Fuller was talking about the behavior of all the people on planet Earth and what the pattern of that behavior was. And I came along and said why it needed to happen on this particular planet. So Neely Fuller is the genius, but I added to his list, stop using and selling drugs to one another. Stop making black children think that as children they can be adequate mothers and fathers. Black people need to solidify in their thinking. Just because you can bring genitals of the male and female together, doesn't mean that you are ready and able to develop a child under the conditions of the terrorism and war of racism and white supremacy. So I advocate as a physician and as a general psychiatrist and child psychiatrist, black people need to be 30 and 35 before they think about producing a child. And they need to be married and think of no more than two children, no closer together than three years apart. And if they want to know what to do with those 30 and 35 years before marriage, go to school. Learn as much as you can. Don't start producing children as a teenager dropping out of school and I think I'll make a baby or have a baby and then it'll hit me, well, I need an education. Well, let me put the child down or throw the child away someplace because I want to go back to school. I say that's upside down thinking and it leaves us in the breeding and studying pattern that we were pushed into, forced into when we were formerly enslaved under that phase of the system of racism and white supremacy. Breeding and studying to make slaves. Now we're breeding and studying to make people for the prison industrial complex. Because children who are not given adequate care, emotional attention, will have a hard time organizing their behavior, going in a functional direction. And because the racism war is against black people in general and black male persons in particular, and male children need adult father guidance. So any male who hasn't taken the time to get an education 
worked out how he's going to support himself and a wife is not ready to reproduce children. And that goes for how females think as well. In other words, it's not we're bad, stupid people, no. We just have been miseducated under the system of racism, white supremacy, deliberately so. But a system that it has been designed by certain people for their genetic survival, that same system is not going to maximally develop the people that they fear can cause their genetic annihilation. That's just logic. It's just logic. If anything, people who are fearful of other people being able to cause their genetic annihilation, genocide is what occurs to them. They can genetically annihilate me. Maybe if I genocide them, I don't have to worry. And you genocide a people by simply destroying the males. and telling the females they can be married to each other. That's genocide. So these are the things that, this is Black History Month, and we ought to use this month as well as every other month, working out how can we learn how to respect ourselves since we have been shattered, our self-respect, our collective self-respect has been shattered by the dynamic of racism, white supremacy. And without wasting energy, hating white people, it's just like somebody wants to be a champion chess player. You can't waste your time hating the people on the horizon who might be your opponents. You have to just master the game. Master the tactics and strategies. But first, you have to understand the game. So I was saying stop black children from thinking that as children they can be adequate mothers and fathers. I should add to that, stop sexually abusing children. Stop sexually abusing children. Men who are made to feel weak and inadequate will find themselves sexually abusing children. So let's just stop it. The number of people who come into the psychiatrist's office who have been sexually abused in the hundreds of years that we were enslaved as black people enslaved African people. We were sexually abused sun up, sun down by our slave masters. And that sexual abuse is riding like a river because although formal slavery has ended, the system of white supremacy of which the formal slavery was a part is continuous. And so we have to begin to understand that. But we can make up our minds that children are not to be sexually abused. 
and the number of people who come into the psychiatrist's office who have been sexually abused by a grandfather, an uncle, a stepfather, a father, and mothers standing by and being aware that it is happening, and they don't do anything. See, we can put all of this under our absence of self-respect, which has developed under the system of racism. And when we can have pumped into our brains gangster, thug, bitch, whore, nigger, it becomes easy to just have your behavior doing anything. So these are things that we have to think about in depth. Okay, stop throwing down trash where black people live, work, and play. Every black person ought to get a Ph.D. in broom studies. Sweeping and cleaning, no broken bottles, no paper, no food wrappers thrown on the ground where black people live, work, and play. Stop believing that welfare will save you. Stop pretending that racism, white supremacy does not exist. And stop allowing racism, white supremacy, to cause division between the people of color, between the black, brown, red, and yellow people. Stop those divisions. And I want to add to that. Black people must demand a solution to the depression level, higher than depression levels of unemployment in our communities and demand of the system of racism and white supremacy that do just like they did during the depression where the government becomes employer of last resort. And black people, we are the so-called minority with seniority and the only people who were enslaved and we have to demand that there is employment because men cannot function as husbands, they cannot function as fathers if they do not have jobs. So everybody needs to have a job and people need to stand up and be counted. If they have to march demanding jobs, then so be it. As a manifestation of our respect for ourselves and the intentionality that we have for ourselves as being people who are going to function as second to none on this planet. The creator of the universe made us the mothers and fathers of everybody on this planet. And we are going to bring to ourselves the respect and the dignity that parents should have. We're the parent people of the planet and we have been reduced to the lowest depths, but we can decide that we're going to rise to what it is that we were supposed to be, what the creator of the universe made us to be. And this is a magnificent challenge, and I don't have any doubt that if we set our minds to this task, this is something that we can achieve, and I'm not talking about a thousand years from now. Within the next 50 years, within the next 25 years, 
We ought to be a magnificent self-transformation that black people impose on themselves as they simultaneously transform the system of racism, white supremacy, into a system of justice. As I said, if the people of color stopped hating themselves, thinking they need skin, skin bleach, and they need false wigs to make them think themselves as white with long straight hair, and surgery to try to make their features white, all that self-hate. If we can stop that and begin to engage in the behaviors of black mental health, black self-respect, which are the behaviors of counter-racism, we can be amazed. And there's nothing in there about putting emphasis on education, but education is key. Turn off the television set, put that iPad and iPod away. Practice reading books and understanding how important education is. Imagine black children walking around and telling a classmate who's trying to study that you're trying to be white. See, this is the ultimate mental sickness that has been imposed on black people in the system of racism, white supremacy, and that has to change. Black people were the first people who knew about civilization, the first mathematicians, the first scientists, the first astronomers, the first architects and builders. So we need to get back into what? we were put on this planet in this universe to be. Context of white supremacy. Um, I wanted to share a little bit from the manifesto uh, and get your thoughts. Uh, folks, this is available online. You can download it. You can read it online. Uh, I would say... Just be careful. Uh, I've noted I've been looking at this material for a couple of days now, and some of the manifestos don't have. They've been edited. So if you get some of the reports, it'll be missing pertinent information and certain paragraphs. That's why I said earlier I think it's, it's logical to be skeptical when viewing all of this. But anyway, this is uh, the version that I have has 11 pages. So this is on page 7. Uh, this uh, document that is being attributed to Mr. Christopher Dorner, he says, No one is saying you can't be prejudiced or a bigot. We are all human and hold prejudices. If you state that you don't have prejudices, you're lying. But when you act on it and victimize innocent citizens and fellow innocent officers, then that is a concern. For you officers who do the job in the name of justice, those of you who lost honest officers to this event, look at the name of those on the BOR and the investigating officers from the PSB and Evans and ask them how come you couldn't tell the truth. Why did you terminate an honest officer and cover for a dishonest officer who victimized a mentally ill citizen. Sometimes 
Humans feel a need to prove they are the dominant race of a species, and they inadvertently take kindness for weakness from another individual. You chose wrong. Terminating officers because they expose a culture of lying, racism from the academy, and excessive use of force will immediately change. PSB cannot police their own, and that has been proven. The blue line will forever be severed, and a cultural change will be implanted. You have awoken a sleeping giant. I am here to change and make policy. The culture of LAPD versus the community and honest, good officers needs to and will change. I am here to correct and calibrate your moral compasses to true north. Those Caucasian officers who join South Bureau divisions with the sole intent to victimize minorities who are uneducated and unaware of criminal law, civil law, and civil rights. You prefer the South Bureau because a use of force, deadly force, is likely, and the individual you use force on will likely not report it. You are a high-value target. Those black officers and supervisory ranks and pay grades who stay in South Bureau, even though you live in the Valley or Orange County, for the sole intent of getting retribution towards subordinate Caucasian officers for the pain and hostile work environment their elders inflicted on you as probationers and novice P2s. You are a high-value target. You perpetuated the cycle of racism in the department as well. You breed a new generation of bigoted Caucasian officers when you belittle them and treat them unfairly. Those Hispanic officers who victimize their own ethnicity because they are new immigrants to the country and are unaware of their civil rights. You call them wetbacks to their face and demean them in front of fellow officers of different ethnicities so that you will receive some sort of acceptance from your colleagues. I'm not impressed. Most likely, your parents or grandparents were immigrants at one time, but you have forgotten that. You are high-value targets. The lesbian officers in supervising positions who go to work day in, day out, with the sole intent of attempting to prove your misandrous authority, not feminism, to degrade male officers, you are a high-value target. Those Asian officers who stand by and observe everything I previously mentioned other officers participate in on a daily basis, but you say nothing, stand for nothing, and protect nothing. Why? Because of your usual saying, I don't like conflict. You are high-value targets as well. Those of you who go along to get along have no backbone and destroy the foundation of courage. You are the enablers of those who are guilty of misconduct. 
you are just as guilty as those who break the code of ethics and oath you swore. I will stop there. Uh, does anything uh, in the passage I just read, does that stick out to you in any manner? Uh, no, I would say that uh, this is an individual who is targeting everybody. Do, do you see? So when you no, know, if I were to see him, I would say, "What is your definition of racism?" My definition of racism is racism is white supremacy. What is your definition of racism? But you know, I think that uh, it would be wise for everybody to take a pass and say, you know, let's see what what this develops how this develops because who knows who's writing that see has this document been verified as having been written by any particular person we don't know so we don't know what this is all about yet I'm willing to wait Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I will uh, give out the phone number. Uh, folks have questions uh, you would like to ask Dr. Welsing. The number to dial is 760-569-7676. And the code is 564-943-POUND. Uh, press star 6 if you have questions. Um, before I hit the phone lines, uh, would it be... Would it be an act of black self-respect if a black person turned in uh, the suspect, uh, Mr. Dorner? Would that be an act of self-respect to turn this person in? I'd have to, I'd have to think about that. Uh, do you see, in other, in other words, here's a non-white person killing other non-white persons. And the majority of the people that he's talked about sounds like they're non-white. And so if a non-white person is injuring other non-white persons, they, of course, should be stopped or non-white people should participate in that. See, that would be no different than if I was going on a rampage and hurting non-white people. Should a non-white person try to stop me? Yes. Right on. Uh, see, the first... See, he talks about racism, but he hasn't defined exactly what he's talking about. If, if indeed these are his words. So I'm basically going to take a pass and wait. See, does anybody know anybody in his family? Is this person connected to anybody? I haven't seen any interviews with any of his uh, family members. The only interviews that I've seen with people that are reported to know him, they had an ex-girlfriend 
Uh, and she was saying that their relationship ended in conflict and she feared for her own life. Uh, and they had a white man. Uh, I think they were classmates. I think they went to college together. And he was saying that they weren't very close, that they just, I think the last time he said they spoke, it was just over the phone. And uh, he, they said this, this white man was mentioned in the uh, quote-unquote manifesto, but he said, you know, he didn't know him that well, and he found it kind of strange that he was mentioned and that. But, yeah, I haven't seen any, any of his black family members. I haven't heard from any of them. Okay, well, even let's just say, as they said about the person in Sandy Hook in Aurora, Colorado, uh, the person might be mentally ill. See, the person who was at uh, Sandy Hook, uh, to my knowledge, he wasn't called a terrorist. He was said to be mentally ill. Is that right? Absolutely. I think they have made a point of talking about mental illness. In fact, they even, uh, because they said he suffered from Asperger's uh, syndrome, they even tied that into the DSM-5 and talking about how that was reclassified and this was someone who had mental problems. It's been a lot of sympathy, uh, in my opinion, directed towards him. I haven't heard mental illness uh, discussed with Mr. Dorner at all. It's just been terrorism, million-dollar reward. We want this guy. You see, this is, in other words, if a black person, non-white person is accused of doing something as opposed to saying, well, he must be ill, it's just he's bad. He's a terrorist. Let's kill him. And so that has to be that has to be thought about. He mentions uh, in his uh, or I'll, the manifesto it does mention depression. Uh, he has a paragraph. I can just read this one real quick. It says, uh, "If possible, I want my brain preserved for science research to study the effects of severe depression on an individual's brain." Since June 26, 2008, when I was relieved of duty, and January 2, 2009, when I was terminated, I have been afflicted with severe depression. I've had two CT scans—excuse uh, me—I've had two CT scans during my lifetime that are in my medical record at Kaiser Permanente. Both are from concussions resulting from playing football. The first one was in high school, October 1996. The second was in college and occurred in October 1999. Both were conducted at Kaiser Permanente Hospitals in L.A., Orange County. These two CT scans should give a good baseline for my brain activity before severe depression began in late 2008. So he's even mentioning mental illness, or it's, mental illness is referenced within the manifesto, but I haven't heard that at all. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? So, for example, I got interested as a psychiatrist in looking at racism because I was curious about what was making black people mentally ill. And when I started doing my training as a resident and doing histories on black patients, I would always see aspects of racism, meaning the disparate treatment given to black people in the histories. And so I determined, well, racism is causing black mental illness. Let me begin to understand what racism is. And shortly thereafter, I met Neely Fuller, who had written about racism as a system. 
And, for example, all of the health disparities that black people suffer from, beginning with high blood pressure, hypertension, diabetes, kidney disease, obesity, all of these are related to the stress imposed upon black people 24-7 in the system of racism. And they call them health disparities because by contrast with the white population, black people have these uh, conditions uh, with greater frequency. You see, so racism is, racism is the context. It's the power system and context in which black people live. And it is hitting, it's war against black people for white genetic survival. People who classify themselves as white are not getting hit by these shock waves on a 24-7 basis. And so, you see, he's talking about racism. If indeed this is a document that this individual wrote and not some document somebody has written to say black people are terrorists and let's put them all away in some concentration camp, uh, the things that he is saying I would say, you know, there is, and he has said it himself. He's obviously been treated for depression. And so we are dealing with not a terrorist. The person may be doing things, if indeed he is, that one would say are inappropriate. But what is the cause? Let's do something about the cause. That's like as far as, see, because, the te- you know, the mass murderers, those are basically people who classify themselves as white of the male gender. And so a person could rightly say, why do we end up with white males being the mass murderers that they don't call terrorists? Well, you see, white males collectively, consciously, subconsciously are feeling inadequate in terms of their ability, their genetic ability, feeling vulnerable compared to the men of color, especially black men. And so they end up shooting, you know, using that gun, shooting and killing. And if we see the gun as a symbol of white male genitalia. If I think my genitals are not powerful, my gun certainly is. And so that's where expression, son of a gun, great equalizer, where these terms come from. So there's a lot we could understand, but we have to end up being courageous like the Attorney General the first black attorney general is, you know, advising us. Are we a nation of cowards being unable to talk about difficult, this difficult thing called racism? A lot of times when I'm lecturing, could be white people, black people, I tell people to repeat after me. 
I love myself, I respect myself, and I thank the Creator for giving me the courage to talk about difficult subjects because we're going to talk about racism, white supremacy. That's the most difficult topic that can be discussed on this planet at this time. See, even people like Pierce Morgan on CNN, I mean, he genuinely, uh, you know, he strikes me as being very sincere. Why can't we have gun control? I'd love to be on his program because I think he's sincere, but then he would have to look at racism, white supremacy, and the symbol of the gun. But instead of high, why can't we get gun control? We can't get gun control, as I said earlier, because of what the gun means in the culture that is structured for white genetic survival by any necessary means. That you know, so the fundamental message in the culture that the, even the white young people pick up is if you have a problem, get a gun. And the guns are stacked in the hall closet, so just go and pick a few. Or you can go into a gun store any time and buy as many as you want. Or the gun shows, just buy as many as you want. Because this is our salvation. We have to be able to kill. I mean, we don't have enough money for people to have high-level education, don't have enough money for health care, don't have enough money for people to have decent housing, all kind of homeless people, homeless veterans on the street and no housing because we have to spend money killing people, killing non-white people in other parts of the world. We have to do this. How else are we going to survive? Now, this is what people need to start thinking about, talking about. It would be ideal if some of the white psychiatrists would spend time helping people who classify themselves as white, really focusing on racism, white supremacy and understanding what it is and helping white people. Well, we may be albino mutants, but let us try to respect ourselves so we don't have to be the destructive force on the planet. That would be ideal. You see, but if a person, and certainly if a person of color tries to talk about racism, white supremacy, the white people become hysterical on the, you know, on the television shows. You're playing the race card. You're playing the race card. You see, but it's the whole deck <laughs> that is about race and racism. That's why people are classified as white or non-white or now the up-and-coming terminology, mixed race. So you have people who, for all extent and purposes, are black people like the president. I'm not black, I'm mixed race.
mm. for the game that people who classify themselves as white play with the Hispanics because you have many Hispanics who want to call themselves white. And so then people who classify themselves as white will say non-Hispanic whites, which mean the real white people. Let the other non-white people pretend that they're white. We can use them because they will discriminate against the black people. All of these things we need to be able to look at as a society and as a culture to be healthier. But certainly black people who are hit hardest by the dynamic of racism, white supremacy, because they have the greatest genetic potential to cause white genetic annihilation. We have to understand and gain control over what is happening to us and how we are relating to ourselves and one another. Absolutely. Um, just for folks uh, who haven't read it, uh, they do make a reference in the so-called manifesto. There is a reference to O.J. Simpson. I think that's where the genesis of the race card started. That's, that's also alluded to in the manifesto. Uh, the people that called in, uh, just going down the line, if we could hold it to questions so that people have opportunity to ask uh, their question to Dr. Welsing. Just questions, no statements and long chatter. Thank you all for your compliance. Uh, the person that called in from the Bronx, your line should be open. Did you have a question for Dr. Welsing? Um, yes, thank you. Um, yeah. Hey, how, how's it going, Gus? Uh, and Miss Francis Welsing. How are you? Mm -hmm. I'm doing well. It's nice to hear your voice again. Um, I have a question for you. Go right ahead. Um, all right. Um, your, your, uh, your statement, the denial of racism is fundamental to its maintenance. My question is kind of based on that. Um, it, I, I tend to feel like racist white supremacists play good cop, bad cop, and uh, if you know, you know, understand the reference. And uh, I mean, do I understand good cop, bad cop concept? Right, yeah. right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And uh, non-white people um, give passes to certain white people for certain reasons whether it's females or, in general, white females, or if they have white sex partners, or John Brown and other so-called anti-racists, um, abolitionists, et cetera. Wait a minute, you're kind of going all over the place. What are anti-racists? Well, so-called people that call themselves that, white people. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I'm just saying that the people that black people give passes to, you know, to say that they aren't, right? And I've concluded that people that classify themselves and are classified as white are all in the racist white supremacist category. So how uh, do I ref I'm sorry. Well, uh, see, in other words, let's say a person who classifies him or herself as white and they get into a discussion about race or racism, I would think that the first question is what, what is the definition of what you're talking about? 
you see, so that the person begins to, hopefully they can state what their definition, if they use the word racism, do you mind defining what you mean by that term? Uh, you see, because if a person started talking to me and they said that uh, they are anti-racist or what I've said, what is your definition of the racism that you're anti? Because I'm talking about racism as white supremacy. That's the only thing I'm talking about. I'm not talking about racism and homophobia. I'm talking about racism, white supremacy, and here is my definition. Is this what you're talking about? If this is not what you're talking about, then we don't have a conversation. Because a person who classifies himself as white cannot say to a victim of racism, white supremacy, I disagree with your definition. You see, the perpetrator, once the victim defines what he or she is talking about, and the perpetrator says, well, that's not what I'm talking about, and then the only response is for the victim to say, I'm certain that we're not talking about the same thing. And so then the person who is victimized by racism, they, you know, they just have to go forward uh, and you know, well, you know, we're not going to engage in a nonsensical discussion. This is right my definition of what has been happening to me and my group of people for the last 500 plus years. And uh, I'm about the business of replacing it with justice. No time for pretending that we're talking about something else. So does that, and, and I say in a football game between team conservative, you know, because people line themselves up on the political spectrum saying, well, I'm conservative or I'm liberal. But the question is never asked, conserving what? Liberal about what? And I say both of those entities are representing racism, white supremacy. But that's unspoken, just like racism cannot be discussed. So in football game between team, white team conservative and white team liberal, what role do the black people play? And my answer is the football. They're tossed back and forth between one and the other. But the black people are yet to be specific that they are talking about the elimination of the system of racism, white supremacy. And so, therefore, what do people who say they're liberal or what do people who say they're conservative, what do they have to say about the system of racism, white supremacy? Does that get close to answering your question? Well... I, I, I guess my, my question was, um, I, I didn't quite ask it, but I, I thank you because I may, may, might answer the question, but I was going to ask how I could refine my approach to speaking to confused victims to make it clear that I'm white sorry, people's... I'm sorry, say that again. I, I missed that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I, I was Repeat wondering... Repeat that last part again. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. How do I refine my approach to speaking to confused victims to make it clear that white equals 
white supremacist in all cases because of the classification. I don't know whether I'm having a problem with this connection. Uh, Post, can you repeat that for me, please? Uh, yes, ma'am. I believe the question was he's seeking suggestions on ways that he can effectively communicate to other non-white people that white means racist white supremacist just based on the classification. Uh, he's saying if you have any suggestions on helping him explain that to other non-white people. About the classification of non-white? The classification of white, what it means to be a white person, and him, he's saying to be white means to be racist white supremacist. How can you, do you have any tips on helping to explain that to other non-white people? See, most, in, in other words, most non-white people, the very class of, the very classification of white and non-white. In other words, everybody fills out who's an adult, fills out the census form. And you're asked to classify yourself as white or non-white. And then the string of terms that they have for non-white people so they can be confused. But why is why are people classified in that way? In other words, if the person is a person with skin pigmentation. White people are not mistaking that person as a white person. So I don't I don't know any non-white people who are confused about their category. In other words, you ask a person, you know, what's on your birth certificate? Sometimes that's, I was just talking to a black person who said it was white on their birth certificate, and there are cases like that. If they happen to be very light-skinned when they're born. But people know their classification. Why is that classification important on this planet? Now, you know, sometimes a person is running into people. If a person says, look, I don't want to talk about racism, I, th I think that that's a waste of time. Then anybody who wants to talk about racism, it's like I take the position like the church, whosoever will, let him come to the discussion. Do, do you see, as opposed to trying to chokehold a non-white person and forcing them to think about racism. I mean, if you want to talk about racism and you find somebody, well, I don't know what you're talking about, and, you know, I don't, I, I don't pay any attention to color, and I'm colorblind. All of that is somebody who doesn't want to talk about the subject of racism. And so then you just go on to the next person and, you know, are you interested in talking about this important topic on this planet? And if nobody that you run into that day wants to talk, go to the library. You see, go and do your own study, increasing your knowledge and understanding about something that you think is important. 
so it's not, you know, grabbing somebody and trying to force them to talk about the subject of racism. I don't know. Does that get close? Is that helpful? It is. It is. Thank you very much. Excellent, excellent answer. All right. Thank you. Uh, the person that called in, uh, co-author of the interracial con game, Pam, your line should be open. Uh, good evening, um, Dr. Welsing. Uh, good evening, Gus. Uh, appreciate you coming again to uh, do another program. Um, okay. I make it real quick. Um, my biggest problem, at least something I'm having a big problem with, is not being demoralized by dealing with other victims. Uh, particularly victims who are either trying to mistreat me or mistreat other victims. And I just wondered if you had any suggestions. Give me an example of what you're talking about. Okay. Like on my job in particular, there is a um, you know, predominantly black workforce, and there's a lot of conflict, a lot of people tattling on each other, a lot of people trying to harm each other. And mm-hmm. uh, people uh, deciding that they don't like an individual. Like in particular, in my case, there's a a black male who, for whatever reason, has you know decided that I'm the source of his problems. I believe he is mentally ill. So my my tactic has been to avoid him. But in a mm-hmm. in an environment that's so predominantly black and filled with so much confusion and damaged people, myself included. You know, just trying to find a way where it does not make me behave non-constructively and start to buy into the negativity. And I I struggle with that, and I just wondered if you had any suggestions. I don't even know if it's a question that can be answered, but any suggestions? Well, that is a not uncommon situation. You know, you have to try to do the best you can in that situation but not participate. But to understand, see, if you have the understanding, I'm going to work today, there are a lot of victims of racism who yet do not understand racism, white supremacy. And so I know I'm going to have to put up with a lot, but I do understand the origin of the problem. These are people who have been deeply victimized by racism, white supremacy. That's why their behavior is what it is. And try to make the best of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Try to make the best of the situation. And if you may try to get another job. But this is this is a, you know this is a war. There are a lot of people who have been deeply damaged by racism, white supremacy, and this is the evidence of it. And so you know if you can uh, understand why people behave in the way that they do, and you might have the occasion to sit down and talk. Maybe there'll be a discussion about how can we increase the morale in the workplace. And then you can say, well, I have an idea. There are certain kind of codes of black mental health that if we practice them, it will be an easier work day for all of us. And so, you you know, take the stops from Neely Fuller's work, 
Stop name-calling one another. Stop gossiping about one another. Stop squabbling with one another. Stop cursing one another. Stop being discourteous. Stop being disrespectful. And you say, well, I try to follow these codes because it makes the workday easier for me. Uh, maybe I can share this with other people. Do you see what I'm saying? But it's no matter what the black person is doing, it's not of the magnitude, no matter what it is, tragically. Mm-hmm. It's not as great as what the system of racism and white supremacy is doing to all of us. And it's like you could be on, if you were on a basketball team and your teammate makes a mistake, you don't start, you don't turn around and start squabbling with that teammate. You keep your focus on the cause of the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that helpful? Yes, that is. That's a real good analogy. That's something that I can, I can keep in mind is whatever they do, it doesn't, it's not at the magnitude of what's being done to them and to all of us. Thank and you. And what's being done to all of us exactly. Right. Thank you. I'll, I'm, I'm going to keep right, that, with, that thought with me when I go to work tomorrow. <laughs> oh, God bless. Okay, thank good you, Dr. Okay, thank you. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sister Delicia, your line is open. Did you have a question for Dr. Welsing? See, is this uh, C Planner, Sister Delicia, one of you all? Did you have a question? Uh, last time checking, uh, last four digits, 4016. Did you have a question for Dr. Welsing? Okay, I will assume they are just listening. Uh, Skype caller, uh, Triumph 3000. Skype caller, Skype call. Triumph. Oh, we're oh, echoing. We're uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Skype caller, Triumph 3000. We're echoing a little bit. If you can. Uh, if you're listening on your computer, if you could turn the volume down, maybe. Um, we can't hear you. I'll open your line back up. Just If you could turn the, the volume down, that would keep it from echoing so that we're not picking up that distortion. I'll try your line again. Uh, Skype caller, Triumph 3000. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Still uh, echoing a little bit. Um, let me see. Is that better? Uh, testing. Let's see if it's better. Hello? I guess Hello? it's tolerable. It's tolerable. Go ahead. Um, thank you for taking my call. And um, Dr. Wilson, it's a, um, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, I have a couple of questions, and I'll try to make them fast. Um, Do it one at a time, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, my first question would be um, in regards to um, I've heard you say um, it's not about uh, disrespecting white people or being name-calling white people, being disrespectful, and things of that nature. And in my in my experience with white people, and as, as I study white people, in in my experience, they've been terrorists. Um, they've been very. Um, I mean, the terrorists is I guess the best word I could kind of come up with for for what I would classify white people to be in my experience. So my question is. If white people are terrorists and um, have postured and terrorists, terrorists, yes, ma'am, and they have mm-hmm. postured themselves as terrorists and enemy combatants of 
non-white people because, I, I mean, to me, to be, to practice white supremacy is to posture yourself or to put yourself in a position of an enemy. If, if that is so, then if we're not supposed to be disrespectful or discourteous to white people, in your opinion, how should we posture ourselves in dealing with communicating with white people? Are we to be courteous and shake their hands and be helpful and smile? And how do we uh, posture? You know, I remember what I said earlier, that the black that black people have to uh, understand racism, white supremacy, and talk about what that is. You see, in other words, a black, like black, if black people, you know, you may not be able to talk about racism on your job, but when you are sitting down having coffee and socializing with other black people, you can talk about what your definition of racism, I hope your definition would be my definition of racism, white supremacy, that this is what we're talking about. And then black people, see, by black people transforming their understanding, first stepping into an understanding of what racism is, as opposed to just using the word as a boogeyman term, something that people are afraid of. You talk about it in terms of a definition. And then secondly, get into the business of transforming our behavior in relationship to ourselves and one another. And so that's where Neely Fuller's list of things to do and not do See, the behavior that we have been conditioned into, it's just like on, you know, the Willie Lynch letter, if, uh, you know, whether that was created currently or at some point in the past, where, you know, on a plantation you might have six white people and 50 or 100 or 200 black enslaved persons. Well, those 200 enslaved persons have to be conditioned into how to relate to one another. So the first thing you tell them, they're niggers, meaning that they are demeaned subhumans. And you program them to think that about themselves. Then you give them a white image of God that they don't look anything like. And so you systematically program them to hate themselves and to hate each other, to fight and squabble amongst themselves. So by the minority in the big house on the plantation is able to control the 300 because the 300, aside from being worked to death, are behaving in a destructive way in relationship to one another. So their power is fractionated. Do you understand what I'm saying? So by you transforming, if you just walk around with a definition and understanding of what racism, white supremacy is, that begins to change your reality. You don't have to be discourteous to a white person or disrespectful. But you know what it is and you know that you are using your life energy 
to transform a system of injustice into a system of justice. And self-respect is the most powerful weapon that anyone can have. That's why an oppressor does everything possible to destroy self-respect. That's why black people are being programmed to listen to nigger and bitch and hoe and gangster and thug and tell themselves that those are words of endearment. I mean, that is about the highest level of mental sickness that one can be into. So by understanding, you know, how the system is structured and how it works and what you can do as an individual person, if you made up your mind, I'm not gossiping about anybody. I'm not squabbling with black people. I'm not name-calling anybody. And I'm to the best of my ability, I'm going to be courteous and respectful to every black person that I encounter. See, no name-calling whatsoever. And so if a person just says, well, I'm going to try to codify myself because this is going to be my contribution to countering racism, white supremacy, that major tool is to make me hate myself as black so when I look in the mirror I wish I was white. I was just talking to a person today at my house and they were talking, an artist, talking about they're going to put on a program where the blackest people are going to be on parade. Not demeaned and degraded, but shown in their beauty. Now, see, all the talk that I understand that the rap people do about skin color and light skin and all this sickness, color sickness, these people are being paid millions of dollars to promote this psychological warfare against black people against their own people. Now, true or not, they probably don't understand. But this is, you know, give the system an A+. If you can put into on a beat, see the rhythmic beat, and that trash and garbage language goes into the black brain computer. Now, how is that person going to come out and see another black person on the street and be courteous. See, that's why a lot of older people are saying these younger black people are so discourteous. Well, for Christ's sake, they've got all of this stuff being pumped into their brains. And, you know, you're holding in your hand a 24-7 programming device. So you can look at videos and listen to this 24 hours a day. So those are the things that, you know, we have to understand. It's, it's, it's a war by other means. 
And the most important thing is when people don't understand what is happening. And so that's why, you know, you talk about it to whosoever will want to have conversation about, see, don't ask me what's happening if you don't want to talk about racism and white supremacy. I mean, black people can't even say that in humor. You said, hey, what's happening? Somebody said Louis Armstrong. They asked Louis Armstrong, the trumpeter, say, Pops, what's happening? And they say Louis Armstrong said the white man is still in charge. That's he was just saying racism, white supremacy is still on the table. The same thing Dr. Du Bois said, the problem of the 20th century is the question of the color line between the lighter and the darker races of mankind. That was his way of saying racism, white supremacy. And just imagine that the back of the system of racism, white supremacy can be broken with black self-respect, local, national, global. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I I have another question regarding that question, but I guess I'll I'll move on to a, to another one of my questions and maybe circle back around. Um, in regards to the Christopher Dorner situation, um, my question is, uh, well, he outlines uh, certain goals that he has in in his manifesto. If he wrote it, true, true. It. I mean it. it you know, he he very well may not have been the author, but it's goals in the manifesto as far as changing the institution of the Los Angeles Police Department, things he wants to um, accomplish um, and be changed forever. Uh, I think he well, mentioned... Well, now, let's not talk about his manifesto, because if you start out saying, if he wrote it, talk about, you know, in other words, say, talk about your idea about changing the Los Angeles Police Department, because we don't know whether he wrote it or not. My question in regards to, uh, my question is in regards to the goals in that manifesto. Well, really, my question is in regards to the loss of black life in any type of struggle or in any type of uh, war. Um, If the goals are achieved in the manifesto with the life lost on both sides, whether it be white life or whether it be non-white life, could those deaths then be translated into positives if the outcome is justice or the institution of the Los Angeles Police Department being uh, altered or switched into a more just institution? I would say again, if black people start saying what they understand the system of racism, white supremacy to be, and anything that comes up with the Los Angeles Police Department, the Chicago Police Department, any police department, that it's a police department within the framework of the system of racism, white supremacy. And the behavior in that police department, just like the behavior on the streets where black people live, 
is all conditioned by the system of racism, white supremacy. So black people kill each other because of the racism, the system of racism, white supremacy. Police officers who classify themselves as white have a history, not all of them, but some of them, those cases that are documented, of mistreating people who are classified as non-white because of the system of racism, white supremacy. And so if your question is black people, should black people be running around and shooting white people right now? Why? So they can all be locked up? Rounded up and locked up and called terrorists. Would that be constructive for black people at this particular point in time? My answer is no. Oh, it would be more constructive for black people to follow the codification of Neely Fuller, stop fighting one another, stop killing one another, stop robbing one another, stop stealing from one another. And what I've added to it, stop using and selling drugs to one another. Because this is, these are the behaviors that the system of racism wants you to engage in so that you self-destruct. And so when you codify yourself and determine you understand the system. You understand your goal objective is to transform this system into a system of justice, which you can do. In other words, as I said earlier, if black people all over this planet, if they magically stopped hating themselves tomorrow and refused to harm each other, Imagine all the black people on the continent of Africa. If somebody gave them a gun, they said, but I don't kill black people. And if they brought all the guns and drugs into the black neighborhoods and black people said, we don't harm each other. We do not hurt each other. Oh, no. We, oh, no. Oh, no. We used to do that. Big time. We hated ourselves. We hated each other. The biggest kick we got was shooting and killing each other. But now we understand racism, white supremacy as a system, how it has programmed us to hate ourselves and to hate one another. We're coming out of that programming. We're the parent people on this planet. Oh, no, we don't do that. If anything, we're moving towards changing the unjust system to a system of justice and becoming universal men and women. Oh, no, we don't. We finally understood how we were being programmed from formal slavery 
to other, all the other phases and stages of the system of racism, white supremacy. So we're different people now. You won't find anybody on the face of the earth that has a higher level of respect for themselves and manifest dignity than black people. Why? Because we're the parent people. We're the first people who knew about family life, first people who knew about civilization, first architects, first philosophers, first mathematicians, first astronomers. Now, granted, we were brought to the lowest depth of any people on this planet, calling ourselves niggers and bitches and hoes and gangsters and thugs and wallowing in that trash of the brain. But we don't do that anymore. We were out of awareness for a long period of time. But we are in awareness now. We don't do that. Now that's that's power. That's power. Not I'm going to get a gun and go and kill somebody. No, you stop the use of the gun. See, nine-tenths of the people on the planet are people of color. If people of color determine we're not going to be killing each other, the gun industry is dead. If non-white people on this planet, nine-tenths of all of the people on the planet are people of color, and if we determine that we are going to respect ourselves and we certainly are not going to be killing each other, white supremacy will come to a screeching halt. So in your opinion, would you say that um, us respect changing our behavior towards ourselves, if we stop doing all of those things, do you think that that will stop white people from being terrorists? See, in other words, right now, black people, we're being programmed by white supremacy to help maintain the system by killing each other. and then putting flowers on lampposts. See, in other, words, in other words, you have thoughts going with your action. And you say, no, but we understand. We are now understanding the system of racism, white supremacy, a system that can survive only if people of color are willing to kill each other. And so then you have the non-white people on the planet encircling white people, not threatening them, but it's just like if you had a, a, a good grandmother, you're not my age, you're younger, but I hope you had a grandmother who, 
if you were doing the incorrect thing, she didn't have to get a broom and beat you. She just had to raise her eyebrow. And you knew to get your behavior in line. Because she had respect for herself and she didn't take nonsense from children. But she loved children. But she didn't take nonsense from them. But as long as, see, right now, all the black people and the brown people and the red people and the yellow people are busy buying bleach to bleach their skin. Translate in listening to all this trashy stuff going into their brains. Wishing they were white. That's the brainwashing that has taken place. And if I'm black and I wish I was white, I'm into self-hate. And that means I'm willing to be discourteous and disrespectful to anybody who's a reflection of myself. And then at the same time saying I love them. That's like saying nigger is a term of endearment. See, that's on the part of people who don't read the dictionary. See, take time and open the dictionary and look at the definition of the word nigger. And people who classify themselves as white in a system of white supremacy know what the word nigger really means. And that's why they systematically feed it to black people. Yes. Next. Let's see. Um, see, I want to make sure I get some of the other callers. Trime 3000, just hang tight if you, if you had another question. Uh, the person who dialed in, 9325. 9325, uh, can you hear? Oh, little echo, if you're listening on the radio. If you could, oh, okay. I don't hear it now. Go ahead, 9325. Yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. I can hear you, yes. Uh-huh. Okay, <clears throat> greetings, Dr. Wilson. Uh, greetings. greetings, Gus. All the uh, calls listeners. Thank you, Dr. Wilson, for uh, coming on the program. It's an honor to listen and speak with you this evening. My question is, in a system of racism known also as white supremacy, whether it's refinement process has developed a buffer group of non-white people in positions of authority over other non-white where any opposition to the system that is designed to mistreat will be directed at another non-white person or person that is not truly in charge or in a policy-making role. How does a person in a subordinate position that is in opposition to that system, get a grievous address. Well, you just, you know, you. in other words, you know that the black person is not making the last word decision. And so if you make it a practice to not be discourteous or disrespectful to that person, 
knowing that they are carrying out the instruction of the people who are really in charge. And so you address your concerns. You may have to go step by step, but you address your concerns to the people who are in charge. But the buffer is put there so that you will, I think Neela Fuller uses the term shadow boxing, so that you will be striking out. See, that's like the person on the job and their boss says something to them unkind and they come home and take it out on a family member because they were afraid to address the boss. And if you're ever afraid to address the white people in charge, just look in the mirror and say, now, I'm really afraid to say something, even in a polite way, to the white person who is in charge. So I'll just have to kind of go along until I get the courage. But I'm not going to take it out on this black person. Even if that black person, and very often the black person is being rude to other black people, but that's just standard victim procedure amongst all victims, being discourteous and disrespectful to one another. Okay. Addressing, addressing the source, it's like the plumber comes to your house because you have water flooding, and the plumber doesn't tell you to get a mop. The plumber says, I've got to go to the source of the problem. That's very helpful. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome, sir. Uh, let's see. We'll try again. Uh, is this Sister Delicia or Seed Planter? Uh, if either of you had a question for Dr. Welsing, your line should be open. It is. Um, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Good evening, Dr. Welsing. Um, I just have a question um, regarding, um, I don't have any children yet. Oh, okay. Um, I don't have any children yet, um, but I was I was wondering for when I do have children, um, do you recommend? Um, well, I think I should, but do you recommend telling small children about racism, white supremacy? Um, if so, what age and how would you uh, tell your child about the system in a way that they would understand? Yes. Uh, well, first, you don't have any children. If you're not married, get married before having children. So if you have male children, they'll have somebody who is, you know, committed to help young male children grow up. You see, so that's first and foremost. And then next thing, uh, yes, you have to teach children about how the society is structured. But you can teach them that by, you know, telling them that they're beautiful children and not saying things to him, you know, them about, oh, I wish you were lighter. Oh, too bad you're so dark. Oh, your hair is so bad. Oh, I can't stand 
having to deal with this hair or seeing a child on the street who's light-skinned. Oh, look at that pretty little boy. Look at that pretty little girl. See, all of this color sickness talk that goes on 24-7 amongst black people, and we don't have to be ashamed to say it. We just have to say, oh, this is, this is language taught by the system of racism, white supremacy. And we have taken it in hook, line, and sinker. Don't marry anybody darker than yourself. All of that. And limit television, because I was saying to a group of people the other day that the television is the major teacher of racism, white supremacy. So you put a little two-year-old, a one-year-old, a three-year-old in front of a television set, and they see white, 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 and then if it's a program of black people, you see black people acting silly, laughing and climbing on tables. See, they even have commercials with black people looking stupid, a black lady licking a soup bowl. See, and black people have to get on top of that and start calling these uh, product producers and say, wait a minute, I don't like that commercial. I don't like that commercial. You see, so children have to be taught, and you don't have to teach them to hate anybody. You teach them to respect themselves and that they're beautiful as black children. And you want them to learn about their history and to learn about their responsibility as human beings and taking education seriously. See, that's why people have to stop breeding, having so many children, and they can't take time cultivating and helping the child learn to read and to write and to enjoy learning because they're too overwhelmed. So these are things that we have to think about in the production of children. <coughs> you see, it's absolutely critical because when you don't take care of children, if children are abused, not taken care of, the depression that male children go through when they don't have a father 24-7 and they become hurt. But male children, they are, <coughs> excuse me, they are told, oh, you don't cry. And so they just stuff it down and become hurt and angry. And they can take those angry feelings to school. And it's really because they long for the father and the father's not there. I mean, who's going to show them how to be a male person? I've had male children say, Dr. Welsing, if I had a father, he at least could have taught me what goes on under the hood of a car. Or, Dr. Welsing, I think I could do my homework if I just had an official father. So we can put a moratorium on bringing children in the world 
see, if I could wave a magic wand, black people wouldn't have sex until they're married. Now, sex is wonderful. That's not what we're talking about. We are living under war conditions. And we have to figure out how, even though the system of racism and white supremacy prevails, how are we going to develop strong children who can function second to none while we are planning to replace this system with a system of justice? And male children need their fathers. And because so many men are in jail, on drugs, otherwise made dysfunctional, and women get desperate, well, if I have his baby, he's going to stay. No, it doesn't work like that. Or if I have a baby, he's going to love me. No, if a man doesn't have a job, he can't support himself, he cannot support a wife, and he cannot support a child. When you say, I'm pregnant, you're going to start looking like the ugliest person he ever saw. Why? Because he doesn't have the wherewithal. The system of racism has deprived him of the wherewithal, and he hasn't figured out how he is going to demand that for himself. So we have to reorganize our thinking about economics, education, entertainment, labor law, politics, religion, sex, and war. And another thing, I had a little five-year-old tell me about he was looking at his grandfather's television and saw these people doing nasty things. And he started describing, now this is somebody five years old, describing the pornography that he saw on the television. See, we've got to get on top of what's going on in this society. We've got to get on top of who are we supposed to be as a people and how are we going to get ourselves there, which calls for a whole lot of serious thinking and reflecting on ourselves, not demeaning ourselves, but reflecting on, wait a minute, what is going on? What is happening to us? What kind of names are we calling ourselves? What kind of names are the children learning to call each other? And, you know, thinking, well, we, we've got to correct this as we simultaneously understand all of this is byproduct of the system of racism and white supremacy. But, uh, see, the creator of the universe made us the parent people. And the creator is waiting for the parent people to wake up and straighten up the house. So I made you all the parent people. Nobody has more than you. Everybody came from you. 
Now, I want to see what I've made. And if you think you're nothing, then you think I'm nothing. I mean, that would have to be the logic of the creator. See, just like all this snow that is paralyzing the New England states, that's the real white supremacy. See, that's, that's the, the universe and the planet and the conditions showing who's boss. So people who think, you know, white is supreme, well, then you master the weather. Master the floods. See, that ought to make people properly humble. All that snow that people are digging out from under. All the houses that floated away. Should cause people to to think when they start thinking white is superior, white is supreme. The question is it? Any other question? Um, yes, ma'am. Uh, what two? I, I guess you kind of answered this one. Um, do we? So if my future children ask a question like, um, my mother made a comment to my partner the other day and complimented him on having good hair. How, should I just explain to the child, hey, yeah, that's, you know, that's what racism, white supremacy does. It makes you think that your hair is bad and that if it's not, you know, tightly coiled, then it's, then it's bad. You know, not that hair could be good or bad. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Um, should I explain that? And also I just wanted to know how to kind of maybe at some point explain to, because I have nieces and nephews as well, like something like the Super Bowl, something that's just so, such a big deal. Um, how do you explain that to them, why I'm not, why I'm not watching this? Why, this is why I don't watch television because I don't, I don't own a television. Um, I just wanted to know how to explain maybe those two things as well, and then I'll be done. Uh, host, I'm going to have to have you ask that question again because the voice is going in and out. Um, okay. okay. Um, my mother made a, a comment to my um, partner the other day. She said that his hair was good hair. So I that wondered, what? His hair was good. He had good hair. Um, and so I was wondering if there were a child present, whether my child or one of my nieces and nephews, would that just be something that I would explain the system of racism, white supremacy, has made us believe that the closer or the further our hair is from being tightly coiled, which is what it's naturally supposed to do, that's what that is? Is, is that did, something did that Did you I ask your mother what did she mean by good hair? Um, he said, I don't know what that means, and we just kind of laughed about it. But no, she's, um, she's not old. She's older. She's 62. So we just kind of don't go there with her. So I was just well, you know what she meant by good hair. She meant hair that is less helix and more straight. You understood that that was what she meant? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so you know she's saying that hair that looks more white. 
And so that's that's just, you know, racism, white supremacy instruction that, uh, you know, black people have been indoctrinated with, which is an aspect of helping to maintain racism, white supremacy. Okay. I you see, so I... she doesn't have to be condemned. You just have to understand that's just a part of what the system of racism, white supremacy, has taught black people, and black people have absorbed it. And so now that black people are beginning to understand what racism, white supremacy is as a system, they know uh, what they must do with that kind of thinking. Without, you know, you don't have to condemn your mom. You just know where those thoughts come from and, and monitor your own thinking. Because your children will know what you think. I see. Um, one one more question. This will be. I'll be finished. Um, how do I explain? Because I don't watch television at all, um, and people think that I'm strange because I don't. So how do I explain? I'm sorry. Like can that? you speak a little louder? Because your voice is going up and down. So I'm missing part of what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. I said that I don't I don't watch any television, so I don't a lot of times I don't know what's going on in like pop culture and and things like that, and so I miss a lot of things when talking to to fellow victims of racism. But um one of the things that I get asked or in a couple in the last few weeks I was asked about a lot was the Super Bowl. How do I explain that to um to fellow victims of racism why I don't watch sports? Um, and how would I explain that to a child as well? Uh, host, can you repeat? How can I explain what exactly is she saying? I'm sorry. Something I don't know like if it's my the, phone or not. The Super Bowl, like sports, the Super Bowl, and all the you know finals and, and basketball and all of those things. How would I explain that to a child and other victims of racism who are you know my age? Wait a minute. How would you explain what? The Super Bowl sports, watching sports. I'm not understanding. I think she how was would saying, you explain sports? I think it was yep. how would she explain not watching the Super Bowl, not watching television? How would you explain that to oh, children? Oh, how would you to the child? Now, you can just tell children, oh, we only use this at certain times. And then as a parent, you determine the time that it is used. You see, in other words, if if you set a bedtime for the children in your house, and so the child says, well, my friend down the street doesn't have to go to bed until 2 o'clock in the morning. So what do you say as a parent? In this household, bedtime is such and such and such. Does that answer? Yes, ma'am, it does. Um, that way you don't have to go so far into it. You just These are the rules of this household. That's, that's perfect. You see, in other words, as a parent, you set the rules. You know, what you're going to eat, what your breakfast is going to be, what your lunch is going to be, what your bedtime is going to be, what clothes are appropriate, what clothes are not appropriate. 
see, this is why I'm an advocate of parents being mature because they have a greater chance to understand that they are in charge. They are not, they and their children are not at the same level of authority. And it doesn't mean being unkind to children. But who's in charge? Do you think that it would be... That's important uh, for parents to know. Who's in charge? Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, Do you think that it would be um, not effective or um, not correct to tell the child that um, essentially this is, you know, black men hurting each other, playing against one another um, to entertain white people? Do you think that that would be too much information to give to a child? Host, would you please repeat the question for me? She was talking about football and saying, do you think it would be constructive to explain to a child that a lot of the sporting events, it's getting one black male to compete against and maybe even harm another black male, uh, and this is supposed to be entertainment? She said, do you think it would be constructive to explain it that way to a child? Well, you, you know, I would I would say a lot of things, it certainly depends on what a child might be asking. In other words, a child is in uh, a culture and certain things are being done in the culture. And so, you know, it's like the president was saying the other day, that if he had a son, he'd have to think twice about uh, whether the child could play football because of some of the injuries that are taking place. So it it depends on, you know, what the specific situation is and, uh, you know, what it is that the child is requesting. You don't have to always have hard and fast rules. You really have to see what, you know, what is occurring at the particular time. And so, therefore, what, is the best decision for, you know, two people as parents to make and decide. Okay. That that works. Thank you for taking my question. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Caller 5446-5446. Did you have a question for Dr. Welsing? Yes, good evening, uh, Dr. Welsing and Gus. Um, good evening. Mm-hmm. My question is, um, this is for an individual or individuals who are off the plantation. And when I say plantation, I mean working. And these are retired individuals who are now no longer uh, subjected to some of the um, challenges that people face on a daily basis, non-whites, who go into the plantation. You uh, mean in what, the workplace? Yes, in the workplace. Uh, what, what do you think these individuals who are no longer subjected to these challenges, what can they do to further uh, the, our cause to, to uh, get us to a point where we are um, even in reference to the younger, the children, 
what contribution can these individuals make that would be substantial for uh, uh, arriving at justice? For us in this you know, as, uh, as you were speaking, the thing that comes to my mind is so many children need help with uh, education, basic reading, reading and writing and math. And so if they're older people, you know, it could be in their homes, in their church and community centers, saying, I'm going to have some small classes and work with children, assisting children in their reading skills, their dictionary skills, even penmanship, because in many schools they're not teaching the children how to write, but that's an important skill to have. So people who may be retired and, uh, you know, say, well, you know, what I want to do to help is uh, if you have any inclination in that direction, that's invaluable help. And encouraging children, talking to them about their history, teaching them how to respect themselves by the way that they are treated by adults. Do you see? So hopefully, you know, taking children to museums so that they begin to have a broader understanding than uh, they might have if they are just locked in a neighborhood or uh, locked in a small area to, you know, show them um, other things that are taking place in the world. But I think that developing and emphasizing the skills of reading and uh, mathematics can be very, very, very helpful and a major contribution in children's lives. Thank you. Thank you for taking my question. Okay. I know. I uh, know it's getting late out there. Um, before we signed off uh, with Dr. Welsing, uh, I was uh, two quick things. The first one was. You were on the program with us last year, and you were talking about the trauma that many black people have experienced, particularly uh, black people, older black people, uh, who were some of the first black people to, quote, unquote, integrate the schools and some of the horrible things that happened to them. And I think you were talking, I think you said that you had a patient, and she's a black female, and she was a part of that first wave. And you said that I think that they, like, picked her up and stuck her head in a toilet that had feces in it. And then the white school officials would not allow her to leave so that she could take a shower and wash her hair. And so she had to stay right. uh, in school the rest of the day and just the horror of having to deal with that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. we're doing a book study club. Reading is more important than television. We're doing a book club uh, where we're the current book that we're reading is Melba Patillo Beals, Warriors Don't Cry, and it's kind of her. It was published in 1994, and she's just talking about the whole experience being one of the Little Rock Nine and all the things that they faced. Uh, we're 
We're about a third of the way into the book. We haven't even got to where they've actually entered the school. Like we got past the first day where they were riding outside and they couldn't even get in and things that happened after. But we haven't even got to where they've entered the school. And it's just been incredible just hearing a lot of the stories and ways that they were just degraded and humiliated every single day. And it, in reading this, we found out that four of the nine members of Little Rock Nine ended up marrying white people. And I was just curious, how do you think that whole experience of being traumatized like that, how would that end up producing such a high number of black people married to white people? Well, that's, uh, that's a quite a fascinating observation. And... Um, It's, it's as though at a certain level, it's a subconscious, and I certainly can't speak for the individual people. I would say that kind of reaction and response can be understood and interpreted to mean it's like the prisoner um, who is abused, and so then they join with. I mean, it's... Uh, it's like black people accepting the image of the slave master as God. Uh, do you see, like, when black people were being beaten and abused 24-7 when we were in formal slavery, and then the slave master giving the enslaved Africans the image, their own image, the image of a white man and saying this is God, and then the black people loving uh, the God figure, you see, and being told this is Jesus, and oh, how I love Jesus, and I want Jesus to love me. And they really are saying I want the white people who are oppressing me to love me and to accept me. And so that's, uh, that's just very interesting, uh, those statistics that you mentioned. I think of another patient who was who told me many years ago that uh, her experience in being one of the first to integrate the school and having ice cream smashed in her hair. And many years later, the person breaking down in tears and crying about that tra trauma. You, you see, the people who went through that they have every right to have a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress because they were in a war zone and they were in fear of loss of life every day. And these were children, you see, and they really need to be recognized as heroes in a war and heroines in a war. And that's why black people, younger black people, younger black people who don't know the history, it's tragic, but it's like young people learn from older people. It's not younger people's responsibility to teach themselves. And unfortunately, we as older black people thought that when the civil rights era was over and the laws were changed, well, now we have become integrated, assimilated 
into the society so we don't have to think about our history. I heard a person say not long ago, we don't need to have a Negro national anthem because we're Americans. You see, without appreciating that, the Negro national anthem is a major and important part of black people's struggle under the oppression of racism, white supremacy. And we should cherish it and we should hold on to it. You see, but we've kind of, you know, again, we didn't understand we were dealing with a total system. And we have to understand that now and understand the importance of teaching our history 365 days a year, not just on the shortest month of the year, that it ought to be a 24, uh, I won't say 24-hour a day, but uh, 365 days a year being focused on, well, what is our history and what have our people been through and what are they doing and what have they done in uh, what Neely Fuller has called the war of racism, white supremacy is the longest war. Because without knowing your past, it becomes more difficult to determine where you are and where it is that you need to go. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to make that a sound clip. We'll include that in the study session as we continue reading the book. Uh, just to keep it in mind, we're dealing with uh, victims of racism suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome as a result of all the, the horrors that they went through. Um, before we wrap People are suffering post-traumatic stress on their jobs. I mean, I've developed what I call the updated slave master syndrome, slave master and slave mistress, the way that black people are very often treated in the workplace. You see, very abusive treatment. Very abusive treatment. Demeaning, dehumanizing treatment by racism, white supremacy as practiced against them in job settings. And, you know, people don't want to recognize it, but it's a critical thing that is taking place very often on jobs. You know, black people who've gotten outstanding job ratings for many years and then some new supervisor comes along and starts demeaning them or trying to force them out of their jobs. and giving them, you know, nitpicking and harassing them every day they go to work and they become fearful of even entering the workplace because they're going to be attacked. But this, again, this is a part of racism, white supremacy, and it is to be acknowledged and not ignored. And it is to be addressed, and we must master the ways to address it. And the first thing is to refuse to deny that racism, white supremacy exists. That it is a local, national, global system, and it is practiced 24 hours a day in economics, education, entertainment, 
labor law, politics, religion, sex, and war. And it controls patterns of thought, speech, action, and emotional response and patterns of perception. Like a black person, you know, says I was demeaned on a job. And then some person evaluating uh, their job performance and their criticism wants to say, well, that was a disturbed perception because racism doesn't exist. And black people have to be able to say racism does exist. It does exist. And it's mental illness for us to pretend that it doesn't exist. And it should be acknowledged as existing in the very same way that sex harassment is acknowledged. Well, have we reached the end of our time? <laughs> I, absolutely. I appreciate it, Dr. Welsing. Um, thank you so much for sharing a uh, nice chunk of your Sunday evening. I know you are super busy. Um, we will... Keep what you have suggested in mind over the next few weeks, and I definitely hope that folks will remain uh, patient, skeptical, and informed uh, regarding what, how things unfold regarding uh, the suspect uh, victim of racism, uh, Mr. Christopher Dorner. And You're not going to go flying off the deep end and running wild and harming anybody. Let's make that perfectly clear. All right, Amen. thank you, and I do commend you again for having programs where people can talk about important topics, important for black people and everybody. Thank you, Dr. Wells, and really appreciated learning from you, and uh, we, will, we will definitely be in uh, touch with you soon. Uh, take excellent care of yourself and keep up the much-needed work, Dr. Welsing. Let me say my prayer before we leave. Yes, ma'am. Do we have time? Take your time. Thou who are blacker than a trillion midnights, thou whose eyes shine brighter than a billion suns, thou whose hair doth coil tighter than a million springs, radiating all energy throughout the universe, we beseech thee, one and only one, to give us total strength to carry out thy will for the universe to establish justice and live in peace. Thank you. Ashe. Thank you, Dr. Welsing. We will uh, speak with you soon. Take, have a great evening. Wow. Context of white supremacy. I uh, hope it was constructive hearing from Dr. Welsing. Always appreciate hearing her insight. Uh, stay informed, folks. Stay informed. Uh, a lot of things are going to be reported over the next few days, weeks, however long this goes. Uh, just stay informed and keep in mind what Dr. Welding, Dr. Welding said, the importance of remaining calm. I think white people, they're going to be doing things to try to get people's emotions riled up and how they respond and how they view all of this. Remaining calm, I think, really will do wonders to help us think, speak, and act in the best, most constructive manner in dealing with this and all of our other problems. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday, I think. Yes, Wednesday. 
next program should be Wednesday. It'll be early because we will be having a white person on, and she is from outside the states. So it'll be earlier than the normal broadcast, but should be constructive. Um, she actually she did research on how victims of racism were being mistreated, and they were not reporting this, uh, that they had just said, you know, Nothing going to be done about it anyway, so they just stopped even talking about it or reporting it. Um, real interesting to hear more details about her research, but that should be this, uh, this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we'll be back. We should be on on Thursday as well. The book club coming up this Friday, fourth installment from Warriors Don't Cry, Melba Patillo Beals. Thoroughly enjoyed the program. Uh, it was great hearing from callers. Again, I hope you all got something constructive. If you would like more information, you could definitely check out the blog post and video that I've done on uh, Christopher Dorner. Uh, my blog is racism-notes.blogspot.com. You'll see the video. You'll see the blog post all top of the page. should be right there. Uh, hopefully, it will uh, help clear up some confusion around these events. Uh, again, invest, listener-supported. Because of you all supporting the program, it's how we're able to stay on the air. Four-year anniversary coming up next week. And we'll be back a little later this week. Replace white supremacy with justice as soon as possible. Make sure you keep in mind that all non-white people are victims of racism and that as long as white supremacy exists, no black person qualifies for mental health. It is an exercise in mental health for black people to abstain from name calling and squabbling with other black people. That should be repeated like 20 times a day. Glad to hear from everybody. Context of White Supremacy signing out. Thank you all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, no brother. Problem. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my condition. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.